Hello, homemakers, and welcome to the Art of Home podcast, where we are exploring how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. I'm your host, Allison Weeks. I'm a wife, I'm a mom to four grown kids, and I've been practicing the art of home for 30 years. If you're new here, welcome. We are happy that you found us, and we pray that you'll be encouraged through this episode today. Well, we're halfway through season six of The Art of Home, and today we're going to bring you a brand new seasoned homemaker portrait. A seasoned homemaker is one who has been practicing her art for 25 years or more. And our guest today, Trisha Emmons, has been keeping a home with her husband, Ron, for 29 years. They have six kids, some by birth and some by adoption. Four have already flown the nest and two are still at home. We discussed their experience adopting two siblings and then within months finding out they were expecting biological baby number four. Trisha has always worked outside the home in some capacity, so she has a lot of helpful insight for how to maintain balance and realistic expectations in the home while working. She is down to earth, funny, and real. I know you will enjoy Trisha's story of home. I'm here with my friend, Trisha Emmons, and we're going to talk about her career in homemaking. She is a seasoned homemaker, but before we go back to the beginning of your story, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are today? Well, first off, I would say I was a work in progress. Okay. Um, I've been married for 29 years. I have six kids, ages 26 to 11, some from birth, some from adoption. I am presently the kids' ministry lead at our church. And I've been full-time at that for five years, but I've worked up to it for the past nine years. Okay. Awesome. So when did you first become a homemaker? Would you consider 29 years ago when you got married? Actually not. Okay. Do so, tell. I, we got married. I didn't meet my husband until I was 24. Mm. Well, we got married at 24. I met him at 22. Mm-hmm. So I had been out of school for a couple years. I lived in an apartment for two years before that. So my junior and senior year of college, I was in an apartment with some girls. I wouldn't really call that homemaking. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. They provided the apartment paraphernalia, Mm -hmm. and we just put up posters. Okay. (laughs) But after graduating, I moved in with strangers. Oh, really? And in Baltimore, outside of Baltimore, Owings Mills, Maryland, Uh and met two other girls, and we... Shared an apartment. Can you believe that? No. I don't think we would do that today. No. How did you meet them? <laughs> Actually, it was friends of friends. Uh-huh. And then those friends had friends. Okay. And so they connected us. And okay. it was really a sweet group of ladies. So you didn't like put out a want ad for no. roommates? And- no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting because I went to school in Ohio mm-hmm. and then took my job in Baltimore City. Mm-hmm. And so... To have the connection with someone who knew someone out there yeah. was pretty yeah. cool. That's really cool. Okay. So you're living in an apartment with a couple of girls, and that, I'm guessing now that you're a working woman, at that point, you had to like do some adulting things yes. in your home. Like we had to buy real... Real food. Food. <laughs> but we couldn't... We, I mean, I'm sure if I batched it, I could have had paper plates, but we yeah. bought like matching silverware and... Stuff that went on the walls that wasn't just tacked on the walls right. <laughs> and things like that. So okay. together, so that was the other thing, is we had to work together with that because we all had opinions of the common space. We each had our own bedrooms. So you could do what you wanted there. Mm-hmm. But the common space 
was joint effort. Okay, cool. And how long did you li- have this living so that situation? that was two years. Okay. Yep. Mm. And then, so during that two years is when I met Ron. Okay. And we got married in May at the end of that second year. Cool. And did you stay in that area in the Baltimore? We actually did. Okay. So I continued to teach out there in the Baltimore City Schools, Public mm-hmm. School 139. Mm-hmm. And um, he worked for a water system outside of Washington, D.C. And so we lived between the two mm-hmm. and rented a little apartment. Mm-hmm. Actually, it wasn't an apartment. It was a duplex in a historic area called Ellicott City. Cool. 350 full square feet. Wow. That's <laughs> living large. 350? Yes. It was ridiculous. The stairs. Oh my gosh. It had a little upstairs <laughs> and it, you opened a closet and you walked up like eight stairs and that was your upstairs. So was that like probably a really old building from colonial times? Yep. Oh it was the historic gosh. district and we felt it like because you had to go through so many... Um, bureaucracies to oh, yeah. do anything to fix the house, mm-hmm. it was left not fixed by oh, the landlord. So, but then some folks, the church we joined, um, we would have our community group, or at that time, I think we called them small groups, mm-hmm. in our living room and our knees would touch, you know, the, <laughs> well, yeah. the eight people, the four I couples. Don't think this, I don't think your kitchen table is... But it's about 350 square feet. I mean, really. It was crazy. <laughs> and then they had a farm. Okay. And um, so in Maryland, you called them farms. Okay. And they raised horses. Uh-huh. And they had 33 acres. And we got to live in the garage apartment, which was now 650 square feet. And it felt enormous. Oh, yeah. You almost doubled your space. Yeah. Wow. So it was wonderful. We nice. got to move in there. And that, even though it was fun to wallpaper and everything, the 350 square foot historic house, it was so much more fun to have that mm-hmm. space out there. Well, were there anything, was there anything that was very challenging for you as far as, well, let me back up. Did you take skills with you when you left home? Any mm. homemaking skills? That is a wonderful question. <laughs> so, I grew up in a home that my mom worked. Okay. And most of the ladies in our town did not, nor did they drive. Oh, wow. So my mom was a teacher. Uh huh. And my dad um, worked also. So um, I had two working parents, Mm -hmm. which if mamas worked there, they were working at the grocery store or cleaning someone's houses or watching someone's kids. Okay. So I had an uncomfortable way, but my mom needed to get stuff done. Yeah. So she wasn't worried about training us to do it, Mm -hmm. but she was very um, specific about how it got done. Mm. And so you just redid it. And same with my dad. They didn't take the time to tell you. Okay. So when you washed the car and there were spots left on it, you washed it again. Oh, wow. We had a, (laughs) we we joke about this one. It's not really a joke, but we had a shoe brush that you would shine your shoes with. Yeah. And that's what you use to clean the carpets. My mom, I don't think, owned a mop. Wow. Unless she used it for cobwebs, because we scrubbed the floors on your hands and knees. Oh, my goodness. So I didn't know any other way. Uh And like, you know, I didn't, we didn't own a toilet brush. Can I just tell you? Oh, wow. So cleaning the toilet was not with a brush. No. 
and rubber gloves were for sissies. Okay, so, so it was hands in the toilet bowl yes. with a rag or something. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, and we had a huge, <laughs> large garden, um, not on our property, but out on the hills around where we grew up, and so mm-hmm. that was part of the other work. So, did I take homemaking skills? Not necessarily. Um, I did take a very good work ethic. Uh, yeah. And a very high um, expectation for details. Uh-huh. And that wasn't so great. Okay, I was going to say, <laughs> how did this work out when you were on your own or when you were married at that point? Well, the marriage, um, we had to work out how cleaning was going to happen because we were both working. Yeah. So one thing my mom had told me is never start something you don't want to always do. Mm. And um, so I... I <laughs> Took it a little bit like, oh, like, I don't know how I want to incorporate that. That would be a lot of pressure because you're here newly married and you're like, well, if I start cleaning the toilets, then I am always cleaning the toilets. Exactly. From now until the day I die. So finally, Ron and I just had a conversation. I'm like, we're both working, so we both have to clean. And he had that attitude. He was raised, um, his parents were divorced, so he was raised, you know, sometimes by his mom, then a then he went and was raised by his stepmom and dad. So mm-hmm. he had different experiences in his. So he, I actually have an awesome husband. And so we actually sat down and talked about it. And he hated every Saturday morning of cleaning. But when do you do it? Mm-hmm. When you're working Monday through Friday. Yeah. So, and the worst part about it is he hated vacuuming. And I'm like, what is wrong with vacuuming? So we talked about it. And... I can remember we were still in that Ellicott City home, and yeah. I said, "Well, what's the thing that you hate the most about cleaning?" And he said, "The carpet vacuuming." I'm like, "That's weird." Yeah. <laughs> and he said, "Well, what do you hate?" I'm like, "The bathroom." And he's like, "Oh, I love cleaning the bathroom." I'm like, "Sold." To this day, uh-huh. I do not clean my bathroom. Wow. My husband cleans my bathroom. You got a good deal, but he does not vacuum. <laughs> so <laughs> I would take vacuuming over the bathroom any day. Yes, and I have bought toilet brushes. I was going to say, he's not having to stick his hand in the toilet. <laughs> oh, my yes. gosh. Yes. So as I grew in homemaking, I'm like, there has got to be a different way. Mm-hmm. And after having three kids, I stumbled upon Fly Lady. Oh, have yeah. Have you ever heard of that? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. I uh, went into a bit of a depression after mm-hmm. baby number three, mm-hmm. and I couldn't get things done. Yeah. And so, and remember that is what, 2000? Okay. <laughs> so computers aren't something that we carried in our pocket. Exactly. Yet. Right. So you would get an email mm-hmm. multiple times a day, check your laundry mm. or do things like that. And it just kind of got me That's to a cool. place and it reminded me, or it told me I didn't have to do things the way my mom did. Yeah. And a little bit was better than nothing. Mm-hmm. And so it just totally revolutionized how I cleaned mm-hmm. That's and awesome. took care of my home. That's awesome. And so you said two things there that I think are important. You don't have to do it the way that your mom did it or your grandma or whoever taught you. We have to find our own rhythms yes. because every family is unique and every situation is different. And even in within the seasons of homemaking, what works for you when your kids are little may not work for you when they're teenagers. Allison, that is so true. That is... <laughs> And with the spread of my children yeah. and the different houses and places we've lived, I've had to do it different. Mm-hmm. And what worked today mm-hmm. 
doesn't usually work six weeks from now mm-hmm. in my house. Right. And having the age of children I had or the situation in my work yeah. um, place or our home life. Right, right. And then the other the other thing was that, it, what did you say, doing a little bit is better than doing nothing. Yes. You know, because if you're like me and a perfectionist and it's an all or nothing kind of thing, well, if I can't do all of the laundry, I'll just put it off, mm-hmm. you know, and then it never gets done. Or if I can't clean all the windows or, you know, whatever it is, that's a monstrous task. A little bit is, is better than nothing. Yeah. I've really grown in that. Mm-hmm. And you can look around and even see here that I'm... it. Is progress. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I don't know if I like this color on the walls, so we're just going to paint a little bit of it and yeah. let me live life and see if I like that. And then mm-hmm. we'll change it yeah. or grow into it. That's good. I think uh, flexibility is a really great character quality to work on as homemakers. Sometimes <laughs> it comes because you choose it, mm-hmm. but more often it becomes <laughs> comes because you don't want to be frustrated. Yeah. So it's the alternative. Absolutely. Well, okay, let's talk a little bit about um, balance in homemaking. You work outside the home, so we've already kind of touched on that. What are some challenges that that presents to you, and maybe even some benefits, and how have you worked through that over the years? Well, honestly, there have only been a couple times in my life, Mm -hmm. my adult life, that I haven't worked some way. Um, When we lived in Phoenix for a few years, Mm -hmm. I was able to focus just on my home and um, my kids and my husband. And then when we first, the very first time we moved to Texas. But every other time I either worked in the house or outside of the house in okay. some way. So the cha- challenges I feel like are almost obvious in that you have enough work to do at home. Right. You can make it enough <laughs> yeah. work to do. And then if you're looking for a 40-hour week, or even if it's 12 hours a week. That 12 hours has to come from somewhere. Yeah. And whether it's charged 12 hours, I'm kind of that person who the charging of the hours isn't necessarily the amount of time I put into it mm-hmm. because it's brain space and you're doing it. So I'm fortunate that all of the positions that I've held I was able to do them at the same time as I was doing something else Mm -hmm. so that my brain could be planning my meals, but also planning what I was going to write for that Mm -hmm. article or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they would um, go hand in hand in some ways. Um, The other challenges were just the, when I couldn't be at something my kids were having, or I wanted to host yeah. The whatever it was being asked to, but I knew what my house looked like. <laughs> and even though it, I didn't have to be perfect in it, it still needed to not have things out of place completely. Yeah. And so it limited, I had to learn to work within limitations. Mm. Um, and so that took some time. And so, like I referred to before, that flexibility, but also it was always changing. Mm -hmm. And so I was always looking for another angle of how I could work, but not um, interrupt Mm -hmm. the life of my family. Yeah. So maybe that meant working while they were sleeping. Well, Mm -hmm. mom's not really a great mom when she's she's sleep (laughs) deprived. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You kind of need some sleep. (laughs) 
or doing it well when they started school when they so I start I did homeschool for a little while but when they went to public school or mm-hmm. outside of the homeschool then trying to squeeze it in there but if you look at the age of my kids there yeah. was always someone at home yeah <laughs> so just trying to do things that worked but the the challenges were real and I think even looking back at them mm-hmm. the biggest um challenge that I would have is not carrying the guilt of mm-hmm. that and recognizing that I was always trying to be intentional when I had moments. Yeah. And so taking when I had to be flexible, I had to prioritize and that's where the creativity comes in mm-hmm. is you have to decide what is more important to do here. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're and, talking about like in the home or with schedules or all of the above? All of the above. Okay. Like I loved making a good meal for my family. Mm-hmm. Home cooked, not yeah. hamburger helper, really me making it. And I liked doing it from scratch. Mm-hmm. Well, there were times that that's not an option. Yeah. And it would be better that we ate a good Home cooked meal that is semi home cooked, semi homemade. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Rather than grabbing McDonald's mm-hmm. or doing, you know, an alternative, mm-hmm. you know, cereal or whatever, which we do and have done. So I'm not downplaying cereal as a uh, meal. That's, that's <laughs> totally legitimate. I mean, maybe not every night, but correct. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, that's really interesting. So it sounds like you had to, you probably had certain expectations going into life as a wife and a mom and then maybe needing to adjust your expectations. Other than the working and trying to find that balance, were there any other expectations that you brought in? Anything else that surprised you about home life as a married person and with kids? That's a great question. Um, I was not raised in a Christian home. Okay. And my husband and I came into it both as be- you were both um, as believers, believers okay. and wanting to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that looked different. And I would put a lot of um, how my dad was, I expected my husband to be. Mm. Most of those were negative, unfortunately, until mm-hmm. I got to know my dad better as an older mm-hmm. father, a father of adult children, but from a kid's perspective mm-hmm. and his involvement. So when Ron was willing to do dishes and the bathroom <laughs> and help make lunches. You know, he was very much a part of the homemaking mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And then it was his home. And so those kind of things where again, my mom took care of everything. I have a really embarrassing story to tell you. Yeah, go ahead. We love embarrassing stories. <laughs> when I was 12 or 13, uh-huh. my mom asked me to go check the dryer or washer, I don't know which one, yeah. honestly. And see if there were any clothes in it so that she could X, Y, Z, whatever it was. So I went, and we lived in Ohio, so our um, laundry was in the basement. Mm-hmm. I went, and I looked, and I came back, and I told her, I'm like, no, there's no clothes in it. And then she went and looked, and I didn't know the difference between the washer and dryer. Oh, no. <laughs> so I <laughs> promised that my kids would not have that problem yeah. when they get older, and so they've been involved in doing that as well as uh, there's like fruits and vegetables that I had never tasted and went to college and was embarrassed and oh. ate them in the wrong way. And so I've tried <laughs> to expose my kids to different things yeah. because of that. But that involving, it wasn't just my job. 
Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I can lead this in this way. Mm-hmm. I feel like homemaking, um, the house is the place that I get to set the temperature for. Yes, absolutely. But as I invite others into it, mm-hmm. they belong, mm-hmm. but they take ownership. Yeah. And that's been the cool thing. Yeah. I love that. That's really good. Let's talk a little bit about challenges. So I know you guys have had some challenges in your home and what, maybe speak to that. What are some challenges that you've experienced and how, how have you seen God stretch you and grow you through those challenges? So I mentioned in the beginning that I'm a parent of adopted and birth children. Mm -hmm. We had three birth children. Um, At that time, our youngest was eight, and we decided to adopt. Mm -hmm. And we adopted two kiddos. They were siblings. And then a few months after the adoption was (laughs) complete, we got a bonus. Surprise! (laughs) So within 18 months... We went from three children, a family of five, to six children, (laughs) a family of eight. And so, and unfortunately, at that very same time, we were also, um, had moved from a different state and were in the process of losing a home Mm -hmm. in the other state. Mm -hmm. I was not working a job that was producing any money. Mm-hmm. Ron had a great job, mm-hmm. but six children challenge any yeah. <laughs> budget. And so our finances were very bad as mm-hmm. well. So budgeting or um, becoming flexible and frugal mm-hmm. and creative in our finances. Yeah. But the challenge of um, becoming a home to kids who had... Um, very different home experiences. Right. And how old were the siblings when they came to you? So our oldest son was uh, Clay, and he was nine, but in two months after that, he was turning 10. Okay. So he was nine and 10 months. Mm-hmm. And then Allison was 22 months old. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that she was that little when you yes. guys got her. Okay. Yes. Which was, again... Remember, my youngest at that point was eight. Yeah. So I had been out of the little kid stage. For quite a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. But isn't that interesting how God just got you ready for Gracie? Uh-huh. Because here yes. you now you had this 22-month-old, and then surprise, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so kind of got you back in the mode of littles yes. and remembering what that's like. Yeah. Because for all you mamas listening who have a bunch of littles around your ankles, I know it's hard, but you forget. You do pretty quickly. Um, you do. You forget how hard it is and how loud it is. <laughs> and just I and every kid is different. Yeah. And so I joined a mops group, and I'm like, I just got to get in touch with people who have kids again because maybe I'm just old and I'm <laughs> out of touch with how a kid should be acting because my memory of my other children were very different. Right. But she was. Right. She was just an active little girl. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's so interesting. So you bring these kids in, you go from family of five to family of eight overnight, it feels like. Feels like. And then you've just relocated Mm -hmm. to a new state. Um, How can you speak just a little bit into maybe some of the things that you guys did that you felt like were successful um, to integrate these children uh, into your family? Again, I feel like it goes back to that. 
involving everybody. Mm-hmm. When we felt God leading us to adopt, mm-hmm. um, we pulled the kids in right away, the three older ones, at least Jacob and Lucas, and had them be a part of it from the beginning as much as they could. Right. Um, and so when we have Clay and Allison come and join our family, we had to involve them in there as well. Because for those kids to feel like this was their family or wanted to be their family, they had to feel welcome. Mm -hmm. And so the sharing, this was another place where I had wrong expectations Mm -hmm. in that I thought good nutrition and a schedule and a routine and lots of love and someone who knew education would be the best answer for these kids. Mm. And the Lord really used those kids to shape me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we'll, we'll see how much my shaping shaped them, or my help shaped them. But yeah. I see how the Lord just used them to teach me so very much, and my own kids, mm-hmm. um, and watching how they could give up things. And mm-hmm. it talk about lowering your expectation of, um, how to clean mm-hmm. and your flexibility of what the meal was going to look like. That was paramount mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. Wow. So some of the things that we did was we made sure that they had everything that everybody else had. So okay. it wasn't like they had to borrow anybody else's, which was easy for the 22-month-old. Sure. But for a kiddo who's coming in between the ages of my present boys, mm-hmm. that was more of a challenge, yet it was easy um, to make sure he had what he needed. The church that we belonged to at the time was um, just such a blessing to mm-hmm. help us give him mm-hmm. um, things that made him feel like they were his own. Right. And... And we held lightly and or loosely rather to uh, what bed was yours and what bedroom was yours. So again, that flexibility mm-hmm. uh, word and creativity because who fit better to to be together? At that time, we were living in a rental home and we let the boys have the master bedroom. Mm. Ron and I stayed in a den mm-hmm. and the girls had the other bedroom. And it wow. just, because it just made sense, yeah. you know, with their things and their stuff. It, so mm-hmm. we were never really holding tight to traditional ways that it should be. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I mean, you have to, I think parenting and homemaking, to do it well, you have to think outside the box. Um, and then bringing, adding adoption to the mix of that is definitely has its own unique set of challenges and Really, really needing to think outside the box, which is where we go next in our conversation is talking about hospitality. Um, like you said before we started recording, that you always wanted to be like open door, you know, and not just to come in and have a meal with us and use the bathroom, but like there's a bed for you here. Yeah. You know, you can stay here. Um, what are some other ways that you guys, um, practical ways that you show hospitality? Well, it's kind of happened to us Uh rather than us purpose to happen. Um, Our kids have just invited kids, Mm -hmm. and some of those kids have keys to our house. Mm -hmm. Um, When they didn't have keys, they would come in through the windows, you know. (laughs) And I I hope none of my kids did that. (laughs) Not to my knowledge, but it is possible. (laughs) But it is... 
once it started happening, at first I was a little taken aback by it, but then I thought, this is really cool Mm -hmm. to, that they feel comfortable being here. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. And so I wanted to promote it. And how do we continue to promote that? And again, it starts for me awkwardly or uncomfortably. And that's what has happened. I um, became friends with another lady and awkward. It was just uncomfortable. And I'm like, hey, you want to come over? Because we're like not even close in age. Mm -hmm. My kids aren't even close to her kids' age. Mm -hmm. And she started coming over. And now it's on every Friday. Oh, She comes over. And so we try to make that available. But I think one of the key things is in that is I had to drop the idea that all the dog hair would be swept (laughs) up and the dishes done. Yeah. So I, with working, you know, Mm -hmm. there's only a limited time and that's my Friday morning. Mm -hmm. That's when I get that done. And if we're going to deep clean or do any more, that happens on Saturday and all hands on deck Mm -hmm. on that one. Mm -hmm. But if, if someone is available and needs or wants to come on a Thursday night. Yeah. This is what you get. This is what you get. (laughs) And so my, my philosophy is as long as it's not, um, and so unsanitary, exactly an unsafe situation. (laughs) Yes. We're, we're good. And I, I've only been in those a couple times, Yeah, (laughs) but that wasn't, Oh, those were some of those challenging times mm-hmm. with our um, with our large family. Yeah, yeah, large family living. I mean, we we only had four, but there was. I mean, there was a whole era there where we just never went upstairs. That where that's the wing, the wing that the boys lived in. I just had to pick my battles. Like if I go up there, I'm going to be so angry. Yeah. <laughs> And what I see, you know, because not that they were busting holes in the wall or anything like that, but they weren't keeping it to the standard that I would want if I were living up there, but they weren't, you know, it wasn't, we didn't need to call in the health department or anything, but it just, you know, but there were spoons. Oh yeah. Dishes. cups. Dishes. Or things. Yes. All the dishes end up upstairs. That grew hair. Yeah. And things. Yes. Sorry, folks. It's true. Especially if you have boys. Um, But that's, and they're all gone now and I can walk upstairs and it smells really good up there. (laughs) And um, my daughter used to joke because she always lived kind of on the opposite side of that. Her, she always had the room because she's the only girl kind of away from her brothers. And she would go to their room and be like, it smells like hot dog water in here. <laughs> that is such a specific <laughs> scent. I don't know where you got that from, but she's like, it smells like hot dog water in here. And that's the boy smell, apparently. <laughs> so anyway. That's great. We will get back to Trisha's story in just a few minutes. Right now, it's time for Historical Homemaker Hints. This is the part of the podcast where we highlight some of the helpful and not-so-helpful hints doled out to homemakers throughout history. Today's hints come from the art of homemaking in city and country, in mansion and cottage, by Margaret Sangster, published in 1898. Margaret has a strong word about the importance of giving one's full attention in conversation. I think one of the most common forms of incivility, as seen in daily life, is the failure to show interest in what people are saying to you. This lack of interest is an effectual chill on family or social intercourse and acts as a wet blanket whenever it is found. 
The fact is that when people are together, they should be interested in each other's talk and each other's concerns. Letters, the morning paper, one's own thoughts and plans should be put aside in the family, and whether in the sitting room or at the table, a common life shared should make possible common conversation and polite intercourse. Well, there is nothing new under the sun, is there? It seems we humans are prone to distraction and self-centeredness. Can you imagine how disappointed and appalled Margaret would be if she saw how we allow our phones to come between us and meaningful conversation with others today? As much as it annoys me when I'm talking to someone who has their face in their phone and is clearly not giving me their full attention, I am ashamed to say I have absolutely been guilty of this myself. Let's try to do better, shall we? And since we are talking about phones, let us address our posture. Continually hunching over the phone or computer screen can wreak havoc on our back and neck, so perhaps we should give Margaret's daily posture check a try. An easy way to practice walking well is to start out right. Just before you leave the house, walk up to the wall and see that your toes, chest, and nose touch it at once. Then, in that attitude, walk away. Keep your head up and your chest out, and your shoulders and back will take care of themselves. A Southern school teacher used to instruct her pupils to walk always as if trying to look over the top of an imaginary carriage just in front of them. It was good advice, for it kept the head raised. Don't think these things are of no value. They add to your health and your attractiveness, two things to which everybody should pay heed. Good advice, Margaret. And hey, if you're always looking over the top of an imaginary carriage for the sake of good posture, you certainly won't be distracted by your phone as much. Well, that's all for today's historical homemaker hints. As always, please remember these hints are for entertainment purposes only, and we leave it up to you, the listener, to determine the safety and soundness of this advice. And now back to Trisha's story. Okay, how do you think that homemaking... We've kind of maybe already answered this question, but how do you think that homemaking helps build community? Mm. I think one, helping people feel welcome. Mm -hmm. I think helping people take ownership, whether that's in your home, helping your own family do that. Right. And the community, I remember when my boys specifically went off to college and... Just the responsibility level of, mom, they think the milk belongs to everybody. <laughs> and so kind of that process of you want to share, mm -hmm. but there are like limits to that sharing mm -hmm. of um, who who's responsible for replacing that milk. Right. And so in our house, it was unfortunate that you had to ask before you took the last of anything. Mm -hmm. And it became a courtesy, which then I feel like kind of helped my kids to be more sensitive yeah. and aware of others. But in the same case, if you visit our house more than three times, we have showed you where the cup is, get your own. <laughs> you know, not in a negative, yes. non-way, but you are now family. And we're going to ask you to help do dishes, clean up the table, and now mm -hmm. let's play cards. Right. You know, so that is one of the ways mm -hmm. that I feel like um, it helps our community so that someone would feel welcome. I grew up in the community that was as big as my subdivision. Mm. Houses were a lot closer together, mm -hmm. but 
you just knocked on the door and went in and there Uh was a cup of coffee waiting for you. Yeah. So I would love to have that kind of community, but no one's home. No. Yeah. And it's, and we're, we're a lot more spread out and, or even if you live in one of the neighborhoods where you're closer together, it's just, yeah, it's just people are not available for whatever reason, whether they're, you know, just, we just live very busy lives now. And and I think we miss a lot. We miss out on a lot with just not slowing down and being available. Yes. And I think maybe that's what we're getting at is being a homemaker, whether you are full-time homemaker or not, you're intentionally making yourself available to the people in your home and in your community. I like how you put that. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Well, let's talk about the seasons of homemaking for just a little bit. What was the hardest transition for you? I mean, Besides three to six? Yeah, I know. Children? That's a given. Okay. (laughs) But was there anything else that was difficult, um, you know, maybe when your kids started to leave? Because you still got kids at home. Yes. Because you have quite the gap. Yeah. Let's remind the audience again. You said it at the beginning. Your oldest? 26 to 11. To 11. Okay. That's a big gap. It is. But what was hard? What was a hard transition for you? The present transition we're in right now, I feel like, is one of the hardest. Uh Um, It is amazing how who is in your home Mm. changes the personality of the home and the dynamics, good and bad. Yeah. So, um, so just making. I, I mentioned this before. My routines and my rhythms mm-hmm. change mm-hmm. and I can't hold too tightly to <laughs> this is the perfect way right. to do this um, because it's going to change and change. having certain people in your house makes that happen. Right. And then what we do each day. Um, I still, I will tell you, I still do my calendaring. I still clean with a timer. I, you know, do things, the some things the same. Mm-hmm. But the challenge with this not being my primary um, hub, mm-hmm. because with my kids in three different places, my right. older kids, um, one in-state, two out-of-state, I want to be with them. Yes. And I want them to come mm-hmm. or I want us to meet somewhere because the relationships are... I know. I read making. I read somewhere that um having children it, and then sending them out uh into the world is like having just little pieces of your heart out there, <laughs> you know. And that's really true. Yes. I'm happy for them. I'm so happy for them, you know, and I feel like I did my job when they they've gone out and they're productive adults. Yes. But there is still, you know, a piece of my heart there with them. Yes. And, and so I, yeah. even even just Knowing that we're how we felt about our own parents, mm-hmm. now they get to be those people who think about how we did it, mm-hmm. and knowing that we're still in progress, right? You know, of doing what we're doing and learning new ways to whatever mm-hmm. to do that is part of. Th- Sometimes it breaks my heart, mm-hmm. and sometimes it encourages me greatly. Yeah, when I see them and the way they're living. So exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, again, we just keep coming back to that being flexible, and the one thing that's constant is that n- nothing is constant. 
Not for me, at least. I, <laughs> yeah, no. I don't know what that looks like. And it was really sweet when my son and his wife came home and um, they said, you know, we, we forget that you're still like driving someone to dance mm-hmm. and you're still doing this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would love to downsize, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really make a lot of sense to do that right now. Right. It's right. not a priority to do that. Because we have life still going on. And yeah. not that life ever stops, but it's a different sure, stage a of different, life. That, yeah. It's yeah. different. And and your perspective is a little unique. I mean, there's people that have big gaps in children and have children later on in life. But um, it's less common, I guess, Yes, to have this situation. So well, what? Um, how, how does your homemaking look right now? in the season that you're in? How are you growing? How are you bringing your girls along with you and teaching them, your younger girls? Yes. Yeah. Well, um, we've started doing more of let's clean as we go okay, kind of thing. Let's uh, invite people. Let's be a part of what we're doing. So we don't... We still have our Saturday morning cleaning, I will mm-hmm. say that. Mm-hmm. And um, even when we had all six kids at home, I had to have jobs for everybody because idle hands. Yes, no and then, way. And we then they gonna... fight over who's going to do what. Yes. And... So I created jobs for them. Yeah. Well, now I have two, <laughs> and I still have all those jobs. Yeah. So it's really fun because they like to be a part of what we're doing, mm-hmm. and they've become more proficient in things. And it's more of a not a have to or figured out kind mm-hmm. of way, but like with laundry or with um, just. Helping them, I think one of the things, I'm sorry, I'm probably all over the place, but one of the things is you still have homework to do, mm-hmm. but your bathroom still needs cleaned, and you still need to have dinner right. and make your lunch for tomorrow. Right. That's real life. Yeah. Like, I don't know if my kids will have the blessing of being able to stay at home. Work looks so different these days. Like oh, yeah. you are at home and that is your job right. where you're making an income from it. So I just want to, part of our job as a mom is to prepare them. Mm-hmm. And so when I don't know what the future holds, mm-hmm. it's a little difficult, but I can teach them with what I'm doing now. Sure. And so trying to remind them that people over the project, but they catch more than I teach. Mm. So sure. What uh, am I living that? Am right. I showing that? So it's alongside. I yeah. feel like everything we do is alongside one another. If Gracie l- actually loves to do dishes and she's pretty good at it. And so I don't have to be beside her, mm-hmm. but we do it anyhow. Mm-hmm. We used to have a little thing where we did it and we set the timer for two minutes and seven seconds and um you rotated every two minutes and seven seconds. But you know, we had six to eight people doing that. Yeah. And so you had something to do. So you had washing. I have a question. Why two minutes and seven seconds? Good question. Ron just set the timer (laughs) one day and that's what it was. And so that's what it stayed. Okay. I was just trying to think, is there a significance to that number? 27? I don't know. What is is that? Okay. No. No. So then, okay. So you set the timer. Everybody's say working in the kitchen, cleaning up after dinner. Yes. You set the timer. So you had someone washing, someone rinsing, Mm -hmm. someone drying, someone putting away. That's four. Mm -hmm. Then you had someone taking care of the trash, someone sweeping the floor, 
Okay. So that's now we're up to six. And then you, the other two, one was taking care of music. Okay. The other one was working out. Oh, okay. So I don't know if you noticed we have a little yeah, uh, pull-up pull up bar. Pull-up bar. So you worked on your pull-ups or you did lunges or something. So And so then every two minutes and seven seconds, you would switch. You would switch. Wow. Yeah. And that worked? And that worked. Okay. It was the most fun we had in all hands on deck cleaning up. Now, again, it was a seasonal, yeah. it was flexible, and it didn't last very long. But that's fun though. Maybe somebody fondly. might want to try that. Okay. But make sure you do that extra seven seconds, <laughs> two minutes and seven seconds. That's so funny. Okay. We're going to go into a Q&A time. Okay. Um, just a rapid fire. You can tell me a little story about the answer, or you can just give me a quick answer if you want. All right. About homemaking tasks. One that you love. Cooking. Okay. Yep. One that you hate. Cleaning the, the bathroom. bathroom. <laughs> I kind of knew that was coming. I really think it's because you had to put your hand in the toilet when you were little. You yes. were traumatized. You're right. <laughs> Okay. How about a task that you grew to love? Planning mm. meals, planning grocery shopping, grocery mm-hmm. lists. Okay. That wasn't your favorite thing initially? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. It was very hard for me to figure out, like, if I'm going to make these foods, what, what do, do I, I need? need? Yes. Yeah. That's a skill. It, it really it became is. became a skill. But I had a book that I followed for a while, uh-huh. and then I just started, it became how you did it. It was called Once a Month Cooking. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is genius. Okay. So, did you actually do the once a month I, cooking Ron for a little while? I did it wow. when we were first married before kids. Awesome. Before we needed to. <laughs> but it was probably helpful because you were both working full-time jobs. And, and it gave us the opportunity to give meals away. Oh, I love that. awesome. I love that. Because we were working. You don't necessarily have time mm-hmm. to make a meal for someone mm-hmm. who, whatever their situation Had was. a baby or yes. got in the hospital or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so Aww. we were able to do that because we're like, hey, we've got I, one. I have a casserole in the freezer. Exactly. Oh, that's really, I never thought about that, about freezer cooking. Really yeah. smart. Okay. How about your worst homemaking fail? <laughs> so remember I've talked a little bit about having people over. Mm-hmm. Well, Trisha became a tyrant. <laughs> In the preparation. It was not worth having people over. Because you were just so mean. Oh, my gosh. They, I was a totally different person when the person uh. arrived. But leading up to that, my kids and even my husband said it was not worth it. And I'm like, I got to switch this. Yeah. So that was my biggest fail. And I think, I hope, my biggest achievement also, because I feel like lowering the expectation of what it needed to be. Mm-hmm. And inviting that other person in. Now, it's the first time over, then, you know, I am a little bit more yeah, about stuff. Uh-huh. But, um, like, the food has to be right and plated nicely or whatever. But not not crazy not, anymore. You, like, turn into a different person with your family. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I, I think we've probably all been there. Oh, good. I've been there. Because we don't see that side. Yeah. I don't no. know. You know, if I... I know. <clears throat> no, I've been there. And there's actually, there's a really funny video. Um, it's, I, don't, I can't think of what it is. It was floating around the internet for a while there. And it's a, it's like a, a husband and wife team that do these videos. And the husband often will like play the wife and like dress up 
you know, with, it's like all in jest and put a wig on some lipstick on and like be this. And he does that whole thing where he's like this tyrant running around the house, you know, yelling at people and because so-and-so is coming over and they're going to be here in an hour and you better, you know, Oh, it's really funny actually. Um, so yeah, you're in good company. Okay. (laughs) How about your top three homemaking tips? Oh, I had a several, so I'm hard. It's hard for me to like narrow it down, but I will say, Having a junk drawer is really important, but it has to be an or, like not an organized junk drawer, but almost empty. Mm. Because then, when that person comes, you throw, you throw everything. everything in it. <laughs> so it, it you do go through it when it's not your crisis time. You know, <laughs> that reminds me of this is actually a tip that I remember seeing when we were selling a house at one point, and they're like. Um, when you find yourself, the realtor is like, we're in the driveway. Can we show your house right now? You know, you take a laundry basket and you just go along the counters and you sweep everything into the laundry basket and you put it in the back of your car. <laughs> the back of the car. I've seen people hiding things in their oven and that is very dangerous. That is very dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> so, don't do that. Or the tub. You know, yep. But they're going to look in the bathtub. So this is true with you buying. A they home. won't look in That's your car because you're going to leave. Take probably it with you. just don't forget it's there. Just don't forget it's there, <laughs> especially if it's like bills and things, food or or food or you know. <laughs> anyway, okay. So that's a good That's tip. one. Okay, um, keeping menus. Mm. So I'll keep my menu from for twelve months. Okay. So I get a calendar and I kind of write like what we're having. Yeah. Because I get stuck. Mm-hmm. And I know some people, it's no big deal about yeah. food for them, but we, I like variety. I grew up having like the same five things for dinner <laughs> again, <laughs> you know, over and over. Yeah. I never wanted to do that. So like every few days, I introduce something new or mm-hmm. make up something mm-hmm. like with the, with limited finances at different times, yeah, we were very creative with rice and beans. You know, mm-hmm. you put a little spice in there. Now it's Mexican rice and beans. Or, anyways, yeah. I've kept um, at least twelve months of my calendar menu. Okay, and then I can look back at what I made. So I don't. I'm not really reinventing the wheel, but we're not getting stuck. That's really smart because you'll be like, "Oh, I forgot about that meal." Exactly. You know? Yeah. No, that's a really good idea. I do something similar to that. Um, I keep it on my phone in my notes because that's where I that's where I do my menu is on my notes app. All right. So tip gonna, number tip number three: um, substitution. Be creative. Uh-huh. So many times I didn't have. I mean, we didn't always have an H E B so close. Right. And we never had, we didn't have a Walmart. So yeah. you had to substitute. Mm-hmm. And now that we have the computer in our pocket, mm-hmm. it's easy to find a substitute for things. Mm-hmm. But finding substitutions, bananas substitute for a lot of things. Yes, they sure so do. So that, I always have bananas. So always keep bananas. Yes. And if you can't keep fresh ones, keep some in your freezer. Absolutely. Yep. They yep, freeze yep. really well. Yeah, that's really that's really good. I can remember back in the day before the internet. Yes, there was a time before the internet. That's how old I am. Um, when I was first married, I had um, a cookbook. It was the Southern Living, like Ultimate Southern Living Cookbook. It's my favorite cookbook ever. And they had a substitution chart in the oh, back of the cookbook. Wow. I mean, that thing is like torn and dog-eared because I would reference it often. You need to make copies of yeah. it and put it somewhere. I know. Because that would... Because that was the thing, like baking soda. I don't have any I don't, baking soda. Mm-hmm. 
da-da. Yeah, you here's know? what you can sub for yes. this, or I don't have any buttermilk, but I can do this for buttermilk and all that kind of stuff. It's really, really helpful to, is. to have that oh, yeah. information handy. Buttermilk. That's a good one, yeah. Mm-hmm. You just add lemon juice or vinegar, vinegar to regular yeah. milk. There you go. Let it sit. <laughs> okay. Awesome tips. Thank you very much. So let's talk a little bit about the art of home. How do you see homemaking as an art? Well, I have to be honest that when I first read that, I was like, well, art. I had just gone to the McNay last week. Oh. And it's always funny to me because I'm like, hmm, that's art? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes what's there is like, I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, it, one of them honestly was a, like a printer's, like an old printing press, the drawers that mm-hmm. had the letters and stuff mm-hmm. in it. It looked like it was six of those drawers connected together on the wall, which I did like. Yeah. But to call it art. Right. And so... Um, the art of home, everyone's a critic. Yeah. <laughs> it's an opinion. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. No, I, that is hilarious. <laughs> I, I'm loving this perspective. This is brand new. Okay, please go on. <laughs> and the value is to whom it was made. Everyone sees it differently. Mm-hmm. So um, it's in the, the beauty of it is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. And what I love about art and what I found myself doing at the McNay was walking around and looking at the materials that people used mm. and the medium that mm-hmm. they had. And mm-hmm. I, I think about that with this. Like, yeah. what, what helped me create the type of home I have? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's part of how I see it. Good answer. Yes. I like that a lot. <laughs> really good. Everyone's a critic. <laughs> Um, well, you talked a little bit about beauty here just now, and, and I love looking at the materials and, and the, the things that we have to work with, um, to make it beautiful, but we do have to clean the toilet mm-hmm. and do the laundry and make a meal again and wash the dishes again. And those sort of routine and what could be monotonous tasks, how can we find beauty and, and meaning in that? My husband is really appreciative. Mm. When he has clean socks. <laughs> yes. And even if he has to go to the clean laundry basket to get them, uh-huh. that helps me. But if but that wasn't always the case. Uh-huh. And so I found I had to purpose myself mm. and pray for the person's socks I was doing. <laughs> the mismatched sock mm-hmm. or the dish. I'm so grateful that I have food. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. to put on this plate. Mm -hmm. You know, there were times that it was, again, we always had food. We never went without. Don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, But cheese was a luxury. There were days that cheese was a luxury. Yeah. My kids will laugh about it now and they request rice and beans, but there were days. Yeah. And so I think having an opportunity to pray for when I'm doing the thing, doing the things. Yeah. And Always knowing that there's another reason. Because I am more of a people person than not, I'm going to have someone to share, I hope, Mm -hmm. share my home with. Mm -hmm. And whether that's the person who's living here Mm -hmm. or it's the person who's coming on Friday. Right. I want... So that kind of gives me a purpose for the mundane. It's a motivation. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's, that's a really good way to look at it. I like that a lot. So you touched a little bit on gratitude just now. How do you think that gratitude is important in the home? And and how 
what are some ways that you've seen it improve your experience? Well, anytime I'm discontent or grumbling, mm-hmm. the remedy is gratitude. Mm-hmm. And if I can't get myself to remember, I don't deserve anything. And so when I'm frustrated or angry or irritated, that window does not stay open by itself. <laughs> I've got 12 other windows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and my view and my this, there's so many things to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're not grateful, even in the 350 square foot home, <laughs> right? I can look back. There's so much joy and positive memories. And even the hard things mm-hmm. of the fact that the wall and the floor separated at an incline. And so the <laughs> Maryland cold oh weather would come in. Yeah, But it was things that we can be grateful for now. Right. But what we learned and how it grew us closer, we cuddled. I'm sure we you had did. To cuddle. You were freezing. <laughs> yes. Our first house had no insulation. Ooh. It was a rental and it was very old and um Fortunately, it never gets that cold in Florida, but okay. we, it does get cold in the, you know, kind of like here. Um, at night? And- at night. And we um, had a waterbed. Yeah. And the heater didn't work. So oh, no. we're like on oh, this, no. we're like sleeping on oh, water, no. literally sleeping on water. And it's, you know, 20 degrees outside, which means it's 20 degrees in the house. And, and just, yeah, freezing. How did you warm up? Freezing. We were very close. <laughs> yes. We slept like entwined. <laughs> And now it's so funny because I sleep, my, he calls it my pillow fortress. <laughs> I think I got used to this when I was pregnant. Yes. Um, I needed pillows. all the support with yes. the extra pillows. And so now I have to have one under my head, one in front of me and one behind me because I sleep <laughs> on my side. So it's like. Well, you definitely don't have a full size bed. <laughs> no, I have a big giant bed, but I need all my pillows. Anyway, so I can relate to freezing at night and needing to cuddle. And, um, but we, I mean, it was. I would not call that a trial at all, not no. in the in the least. It was uncomfortable. Yeah. It was annoying. Yes. Um, we didn't live there for very long, yeah. obviously, because there was also rats in the walls, but oh, that's no. a whole other story. Um, <laughs> so we can relate. This yes, is great. But I look back very fondly on that now. Yeah. Um, and I just think about how we we bonded over yes. a circumstance that was less than ideal. Yeah. Uh, and I'm grateful for what we had. Yeah. I'm grateful we had a roof over our heads and yeah. Most definitely. Shag carpet and all. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> it was tell bad. Me, what, tell me it was avocado. Uh, no, it was red. Oh. Like burnt orangey red. Oh no. Yeah, it was pretty. It was really bad. It was really bad. So, okay. How about support? We need one another as women, um, as women seeking to honor our husbands and our families and take care of our families and our homes. What um, are some ways that you were able to foster community and support with other women over the years? I have all, we have always been involved in a church Mm -hmm. and I feel like that has helped in that way. And whether I pursued it or was pursued um, when early on we worked with the youth in our church. And so those parents, Mm. I would hang out with them. Oh, yeah. And just 
not just to get to know the girl, but I wanted to learn from them. Again, I didn't know a lot about homemaking. I wish I'd paid more attention to my mom. You know, she canned and she did things. I don't know how to do any of that. Mm. But these ladies would talk me through it. Mm -hmm. I can remember one lady after having kids, she just invited me out to her house and I would hang out for hours upon hours and just sit. And I have some of my recipes are still from Michelle's kitchen, watching her make them. And we'd just talk through while our kids played hours and our husbands were on their way home and mm-hmm. you know I would leave as soon as Rich would show up and mm. Ron would be home shortly after. And it was just it really was relational mm-hmm. discipleship. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we talked about the Lord as well, but I just saw her in action. Yeah. And saw these ladies in action, not always parenting directly, right. But talking about it, cooking their meals. They, I was alongside cleaning with them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, some of the, some of, we talked about that earlier, but some of the things I've seen, I'm like, oh, you could use yeah. newspaper for that. Let's yeah. See. You know, so it was really cool. I was very blessed. That's awesome. And that's something that, that's exactly like the point of what we're doing here. You know, this show is a, is sort of like a gateway <laughs> to get to, Enter into somebody else's story, someone who's a little farther along than you, perhaps, and learn from them. But we are always encouraging the women listening to go and do what you did. Go Mm -hmm. find that woman in your community or women who you can sit in their kitchen and watch them cook and, or help, you know, come alongside and help them or, or invite them into your home. Yes. You know, if they're older and their kids are gone, invite them over, you know, into your mess. Into your mess. That is so true. Um, A lot of times they're just waiting for the for the invitation. It is interesting that none of us, like at that time, I didn't feel worthy to do that. Mm -hmm. Now I'm at the uh, kind of at the other side of it. I didn't mention, but I am going to be a grandma. (gasps) Yes, so exciting! I can't. Oh, that's just so exciting. But that other side of it where I don't feel like I know enough to share Mm -hmm. and I know anything, but you don't know what you know because you already know it. Exactly. Exactly. And you, and you, everybody knows a little bit more than somebody else. Yes. And we learned everything we know from someone else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how are they going to know if we don't tell them? (laughs) Right. It applies to many things. It does. (laughs) Yes. Not just... The gospel, but everything. You know, we need to speak. Um, we need to speak into people's lives, whether it lands or not, and just trust God with the results. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I say that with a caveat. When it's wanted, like there's a line you can cross, especially you know, you and I are learning this as mothers-in-law, fairly new, both of us, to that role, um, and just making sure that we keep a healthy distance. You know, and that's a whole new thing to learn how to navigate. Yes. Well, any adult child, really. Yeah, that's true. You know, we are now on-call advisors. Yes. I like that. Not um, imposers. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I keep reminding my oldest that this is the first time I've ever had a 26-year-old, so Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She was a lot more forgiving when she was nine months. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's so funny. Always learning. Yes. We're always learning. So in that vein, to the younger woman who's listening, 
whether she's a brand new bride or maybe she's an in the trenches mama with kids all around and soccer practice and ballet and all that. (laughs) (laughs) What would be a word of advice that you would give to someone coming behind you? Nothing set in stone. Mm -hmm. We have do-overs. Every morning you wake up, His mercies are new every morning. Your opportunities are new every morning. Mm -hmm. That um, when things aren't working, you don't have to keep doing them that way. Mm -hmm. And whether it's a task or the way you're relating, because if if we're so focused on a task, then we aren't relating. But our kids can forgive and we can try again. Mm-hmm. And my dishes really don't care. <laughs> it's just like even a new dish detergent. Yeah. You know? I'll try a new one. That did not work. Uh, and it's okay to say it doesn't work. I yeah. think not holding on to whatever it is that you're doing mm-hmm. and thinking that you're going to find a perfect way. Right. Just release that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good so. word. It's a good word. Well... Thank you very much for sharing your homemaking story with us. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Same. We hope you have enjoyed today's homemaker portrait of Trisha Emmons. I certainly enjoyed having this conversation with my friend of almost nine years. Our kids have grown up together and made lots of memories. So it was really fun to sit with Trisha and hear some stories that I had not heard before about her and her experience in the art of home. I loved her take on the art of home, that everyone is a critic, and the art has a value to those who made it, and beauty is in the eye of the beholder. The fact that she notices the medium and the materials that the art is made out of, and she applied that to her homemaking, and knowing that that's going to be different for every single person, I just think that was a really great correlation to make between art and home. And her advice to younger women nothing set in stone. We do have a do-over because God's mercies are new every single morning. And when things are not working out, you don't have to keep doing it the same way. Those are some wise words, my friend. Be encouraged in your work, homemaker. It has eternal value and just keep showing up. That is all God asks of you to be faithful to what he has called you to do today. Thank you so much for listening. If you find value in what The Art of Home is doing to encourage homemakers all over the world, would you give the show some love in one of the following ways? Share the show with someone you know who could use encouragement in their practice in The Art of Home. Rate or review us on your listening app of choice. That helps people to know whether The Art of Home would be a good fit for them. And then finally, You can support us financially through a one-time gift through Buy Me a Coffee. Gifts can be given in the amount of one coffee, two coffees, or three coffees, and that would be five, 10, or $15. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash theartofhome. Make sure that you're following us over on Instagram. That's how we mostly communicate with our audience. We post regularly over there. I do reels and lives maybe once a week or so, and they're usually related to the content that we've been producing that week. So you don't want to miss that. We have some really great conversations in our stories and on our posts with all of our audience members, and that's where we love to connect with you guys. 
You can also hear from us weekly in our free newsletter. That's where you're going to find out everything that's happening on The Art of Home. We tell our newsletter audience first of new things that we're working on and what's going to be on the lineup for the next season coming up. Also, that's where I share a lot of things that I'm doing in my own practice of the art of home, as well as some of my favorite memories from the many, many years that I have been doing this job. I share recipes. I share all kinds of fun things. You just never really know what's going to be in that newsletter. So make sure you subscribe. Just go to theartofhomepodcast.com slash subscribe. And there's links down in the show notes to all of these things that I've mentioned. Well, that's it for this episode of The Art of Home. We will be back next week with another homemaker portrait. Until that time, keep practicing your art of making a home. <laughs>